0: Well, we're going to begin a series on God, government, and our service, what it means to contextualize the Scriptures within our responsibility to vote, how we serve our country best, and what it means to even be employed, if you aren't a government employee, be employed in your secular uh, opportunities and find God in the middle of it. We're coming up on an election, and... Our congregation is one that has a very eclectic feel about their political leanings. And I'm not going to preach on politics. But what I am going to do is try to point everybody to the most responsible, biblical response to what an election ought to look like personally. That I am a Christian and I have a stewardship in every area of my life. I don't just have a stewardship to preach well, I don't have a stewardship to be a good minister. I've got a stewardship that says i need to be responsible to my god for every decision that i make and to bring it all through biblical precedent take it through the principles of scripture to make sure that i am responding well in every area of my life and my vote should be no different so i don't vote for people on the basis of anything other than what they believe and how they employ what they believe that's it if they are less biblical Then I would like, then I try to find the candidate who is most biblical If I can't find one who is biblical at all Then I go with the least common denominator I can find Sometimes it's hard to search for one Having said that, may I say that I don't think salvation is coming from any political office White House, local government, state government Salvation comes from the Lord and through His people He wants to impact our community more through what you do in the community than what our president does. And we have the privilege of walking by in the parking lot and seeing one minivan with a Romney sticker and one minivan with an Obama sticker. And we are going to respond during this election cycle like good Christians, aren't we? We're not going to be mad at somebody for voting the way we don't think they ought to vote when they have gone before their God responsibly to try to find the best biblical principle they can upon which they can cast their vote. We're not going to be mad mad at them. We're not going to disparage them. We're going to embrace them because our fellowship with our brother doesn't depend upon their politics. Everybody said amen. That's just so good. Thank you, Pastor. I appreciate you saying that. That really helps us. Turn with me over to the book of Daniel. We're going to look at Daniel chapter 6, verses 18 through 28. It says this, Then the king went off to his palace and spent the night fasting, and no entertainment was brought before him, and sleep, his sleep fled from him. Then the king, verse 19, rose at dawn, at the break of day, and went in haste to the lion's den. And when he had come near to the den to see Daniel, he cried out with a troubled voice. And the king spoke to Daniel and said, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you constantly serve, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel spoke to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the, the, the lion's mouth. And They have not harmed me inasmuch as I was found innocent before him and also toward you, O king. I have committed no crime. 23, then the king was very pleased and gave orders for Daniel to be taken up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders and they brought those men who had maliciously accused Daniel And they cast them and their children and their wives into the lion's den. And they had not reached the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed them all. Crushed their bones. Then Darius, verse 25. The king wrote to all the peoples, nations, and men of every language whom were living in the land. May your peace abound. I make a decree that in all the dominion of my kingdom, men are to fear and tremble before the God of Daniel for he is the living God and enduring forever. And his kingdom is one which will not be destroyed, and his dominion will be forever. He delivers, he rescues, and performs signs and wonders in heaven and on earth, who who has also delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So, 28, this Daniel enjoyed success in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Lord, help us as we study. Daniel um, was, was a pretty extraordinary fellow. We're going to look at four aspects to Daniel's life. One, we're going to look at his pathway to employment. Two, his performance in his duties. Three, his persecution for righteousness. And four, his public impact. First of all, his pathway to employment was, was less stellar than yours that to be sure now you may not like your job though you probably prayed that God would give it to you at some point but you may not like it but I can promise you you don't like your job as much as Daniel didn't like his your job you probably took because you had the freedom to do so you applied for it and they they chose you and you were happy when you got your first paycheck but now things have changed and you want a new job but remember when god gives you your job he gives you more than a paycheck he gives you lessons you get an education if you're a really good christian with the perspective of god is moving through the environment of my difficulty. And he's taking my job that I don't enjoy. And he's teaching me things so that when I get to a place I can enjoy, I won't do the things that have been done to me. He's helping me to become a better leader while I get paid. This is my education. And I'm not paying the kind of tuition. I'm actually getting educated through it. They're paying me to get educated. That's the way you ought to look at the job you don't like. You're not very vocal this morning. (laughs) You really must not like your job. But remember, you you had a choice. Daniel's pathway to employment was very different. Nebuchadnezzar, who was king of Babylon at the time, had besieged Jerusalem for decades, fought against it. Jerusalem was supposed to pay him tribute, and from somewhere around the, the last seventh part, last part of the seventh century, between six ten BC and six hundred BC. The people of Israel stopped paying tribute. And Nebuchadnezzar came up against Judah time and again to besiege it. The last time was 586 BC where he destroyed the city, burned its, its gates with fire, took the temple apart stone by stone, destroyed everything in it, left a remnant there of rabble, people that he did not want to export to his kingdom, and took with him all the assets as well as human resources. Daniel happened to be a part of the human resource. He was an asset, he believed, meaning Nebuchadnezzar, for Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom. Daniel, with a whole bunch of other Hebrew youths, young people, who they considered to be sons of noblemen, both in stature and in character. And they thought, if we can bring them to our kingdom, they will help advance our cause as Babylonians. And so Daniel was a glorified slave, taken captive by the people of Babylon for their bidding. He was put in, in Daniel 1, into training so that he could learn about the Babylonian cultures their ways, their customs, their language, their history and he was trained for a period of three years that he might become somebody useful to the king Daniel probably didn't want to be where he was surely, surely not serve the people he was serving can you imagine the words that would come from the Jewish populace how can you do this? how can you in good conscience serve the king who killed our father our uncle destroyed our home what is wrong with you probably the word traitor would just flow off the lips of most Jewish people when they thought about Daniel I imagine there were some insurrectionists who thought we need to do something about this and I can't understand why Daniel in his position doesn't do something revolutionary He ought to take over. In the African-American community, for years we would call somebody who helped the dominant community oppress us, Uncle Tom's. Now if you read Uncle Tom's Cabin, you can get the impression that an Uncle Tom is somebody who sells out his own people. But that's not what Tom was in Uncle Tom's Cabin. Not advocating for the man, but he was a Christian. He loved God. And he did what he did because he believed that's what the Bible wanted him to do. Don't know that I would have made every decision in this fictional book that Tom made But you have to respect that the man made his decisions based on the Bible But because he didn't do it in deference to his fellow slaves He was considered by the fellow slaves somebody who was a master sympathizer And so everybody in the black community who has worked for the dominant community Has been considered somebody who is an Uncle Tom Rather than maybe uh, Nat Turner, who was considered a hero for his revolutionary tactics at trying to see black folk free. There is room in history for revolution when oppression begins to be the order of the day. But Daniel chose not to take that route. Instead of Nat's route, Daniel chose to take the most peaceful route because he believed it was not only the best way to go, but the most profitable way to go. And I happened to side with Daniel. This man believed, you know, rather than trying to overthrow this king, what if I made this king one of us? What if I was such a great witness that I took all the wealth and influence and stature of this kingdom and made them covenant people? Now God's kingdom has expanded beyond Israel, not includes Babylon 800 miles to the east. Daniel had an idea that was bigger than just save mine it was expand his large he was not a sympathizer he was a covenant man that said God you've got me in this position for some reason and I am going to figure out what it is and expand your purposes in my life and everybody else I know as best I know how to the point where Daniel Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego Their Hebrew names were Ashael, Mishael, and Azariah. Where these four were distinguished even amongst their own Hebrew brethren. See, there were a bunch of these kids that were taken in for re-education. And one of the things they were required to do is eat from the king's table. Now, the king's table had the best food in Babylon. But the king's table wasn't kosher. And so even though it was the best, it wasn't good. And Daniel said with his three Hebrew friends, you know... Okay, we're going to subject ourselves to all the stuff we need to, but this food thing, we got to eat what God tells us to eat. So we're only going to eat vegetables. Now the supervisor over all the meals said, wait a minute now, you do that and you look more gaunt than you should be and compared to everybody else, the king won't have your head, he will have mine. I'm in charge of what you eat and how you appear. So you've got to eat what the king says eat. Daniel said, just test us for 10 days. If we don't wind up looking better in 10 days than all the other people, who are eating from the king's table then we'll go ahead and dine there but if we do then let us continue supervisor said okay and they began to eat only vegetables and after 10 days the commentary is that the word they use is fatter now he's not talking about these they got chubby but what it does mean is that they looked better more healthy than everybody else now let me say that 10 days of vegetables doesn't do that for you in fact you lose weight You lose weight when you eat vegetables. So what was it? It was the glory of God that fell upon their consecration. Their commitment. They realized even though we're going to learn the Babylonian system, we're going to understand the Babylonian ways, we are not going to be Babylonian. We're going to be in this world, but we are not going to be of this world. I will not compromise my commitment to God while I do my bidding for my employer. I won't compromise my commitment to God while I serve the desires of my king. Even though they are ungodly, I don't have to be. That's what all this food thing meant. And so they kept getting vegetables. And on top of that, as a result of their consecration, I believe God blessed their life. Now, everybody was smart. Every, these were all Harvard grads. They were all smart. But something distinguished them, these four, above everybody else. Because it says in Daniel 1 that these four proved themselves to be ten times better than all the others. Now I don't know how you qualify ten times better. I know kind of how to quantify twice as good. But ten times is simply a, a, a description that says there's no comparison between Daniel, Meshach, Abednego and Shadrach than everybody else. No comparison. These guys are head and shoulders way above everybody else. Not because they were better in their duties but because their spirit was more excellent. And God honored their commitment to him and said I'm going to raise you up beyond your competency. How do you do in your employment that you don't like? In the place that you have to go because you have to get food on the table. Drudgery, you would consider, is your normal nine to five. How do you do? Do the people around you, does your supervisor say, "Ooh, they ten times better? Or do you just fit in? As a Christian, there ought to be something about your life that is different. Different. Extraordinary spirit. A magnificent level of service going the extra mile regularly making sure that your God is honored through your employment witness I'm not talking about walking into your employment every day now shaking your Bible say we're going to read this thing everybody say hallelujah and amen everybody pray at noon we're going to pray before we start work we're going to pray before we go home you do that you deserve to be fired yeah, no excuse. I mean, you, you cannot beat folk over the head with the Bible. It's impolite. It's insensitive. Poor manners. Now, you can stand before God and say, I was fired for righteousness' sake. They persecuted me. Yes, they did. And, and I almost agree with them. <laughs> you may have done something right, but you did it all wrong. Yes. All wrong. What you need to do is just be excellent. And then when the opportunity comes, whereby people begin to ask you, what is different about you? You freely give them the right answer. You take advantage of every opportunity. Daniel was quite a man. Do you know we don't have one sermon Daniel preached? You know, many of the Old Testament fellows should never be contextualized in New Testament ministry. They, They weren't apostles. They weren't pastors. They weren't evangelists. They were businessmen. Abraham was a businessman. Jacob was a businessman. Isaac was a businessman. Noah, all of them were business. They, they were her- herders or shepherds or, or agricultural farmers. They, that, that's what they were. Yet they were able to do the will of God in their employment in such a way that they changed the world. Rarely is change supposed to come from a platform called a pulpit. It's supposed to come through you and your employment. That's where the world has changed. As you begin to make real the covenant of God in your life and everybody begins to see it. Daniel was trying to figure out, okay, this is a moment of expansion. It's not a moment of takeover. We're going to see the covenant of God spread all the way through Babylon. <laughs> so... In the midst of his difficult pathway to employment, Daniel saw the will of God. And in the performance of his duties, he was exemplary. Moving now to Daniel chapter 6. He's now in his third kingdom. Nebuchadnezzar has passed. Belshazzar is now the new king who was Nebuchadnezzar's son. And then Darius comes and takes over Babylon. Darius is a Mede. The Mede kingdom came and conquered Babylon and Belshazzar was done away with Belshazzar had Daniel in his service and Daniel was such a good servant that Darius said why don't you come serve with me so Darius put Daniel in his team now Darius already had a whole bunch of loyal mead born servants been with him for decades served well and Darius said you know I have all these satraps now satraps this is all in Daniel 6, 1-12 through 12. satraps were kind of like governors or councilmen of different areas they governed different territories of the kingdom of, of the Medes and there were 120 of them and then there were 3 that were over the 120 Daniel was a part of the 3 that were over the 120 so he, had, he came in with such a reputation that Darius said I'm going to put you right here because I've heard about you that already made some people mad I done served this king I have worked hard. I have been with him through thick. And he going to appoint this new coming. Well, he ain't been here long enough to get nothing. I you going to promote him over me. And then it says this quote. Daniel had such an extraordinary spirit. An extraordinary spirit. That the king said this. I now put you over the other two guys with whom you used to serve. They used to be peers with you, but now you are over them. And the only person in all of the kingdom who is over you is me. That made those two guys that used to be his peers mad. Along with all the other satraps. So they said, we got to get this boy. We got to figure out how to get him out of here. He doesn't deserve this spot. He just ruined my promotion plans. My retirement is affected by this brother. I got to do something about him. We, say we, got to, we, we can't get him for anything he done. He doesn't cheat on his taxes. He doesn't steal. He doesn't break any laws. It, amen? amen? He doesn't do anything wrong. We can't find one reason to righteously accuse him. So, let's make up something. They went to the king and said, King, we got an idea. And they appealed to the king's ego. Why don't we make this law for a period of 30 days? And nobody can pray to any other God other than you. And he loved hearing that. Oh, you think I'm God. Yes, I am. I love being God on the earth. Absolutely, I'm king of the known world. And nobody can make any requests to anybody other than you for 30 days. If they do, they're thrown into the lion's den. And when you sign this law, king, you cannot rescind it. The king feeling himself. Yeah, that sounds good. Okay, make it happen. Forgetting about Daniel. Now, he loved Daniel because he put him in charge, but forgetting what Daniel does because Daniel prays three times a day to God. So his pathway to, to, to employment was treacherous, but it did not affect the performance of his duties. And the performance of his duties now put him in harm's way in that he was now being persecuted for righteousness. So when Daniel hears this law, he goes up to his room, Opens the window to the west toward Jerusalem and does what he did every day. Pray. But I think he probably prayed a little louder that day. Got the attention of everybody in the neighborhood, I think. That's just my, my, my opinion. And the people saw him pray and they came up, these officials said, you know the king's rule. You violated the law. You now must be punished. Daniel said, okay, let's go. He went to the king. Daniel, did you do this? Yep. And I'm going to keep doing it. Well, we got to throw you in. Yep, go ahead, throw me in. No problem. Not a problem. Persecution for doing the right thing is inevitable. Inevitable. When you do the right thing, somebody's not going to like it. When you are persecuted for doing right, you need to rejoice, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5. Rejoice. Rejoice. Because you get to identify with some folks who have been persecuted in the past. And you get their reward, too. The same reward they got. But say, like, you do the right thing in your employment, and somebody tries to come after you for it, and they lie on you, and you get fired. Well, remember, you didn't like your job anyway. (laughs) This is what you've been praying for, isn't it? (laughs) And remember, your God has more jobs. If something happens to you, he has more jobs. If you get demoted, it's only for a minute because he's well able to promote you they throw Daniel in the lion's den now what happens next is amazing I mean it's amazing we've read the story so much we forget what we're reading it says the king did not sleep and he fasted all night so he didn't get dinner stayed up all night didn't eat anything didn't drink anything has your employer ever fasted for you? This is the impact Daniel had on him. He didn't even know what fasting was for. He wasn't even a God worshiper. He just knew he needed to do something in solidarity because he loved this man. Has your employer ever fasted for you? Then it says he got up early in the morning, crack a dog, and ran to the, to the den. Kings don't run. Some versions say ran, some versions say hurried. They don't hurry. They let other people hurry. They walk. The reason they don't hurry and they don't run is because it signifies that something is controlling them rather than them controlling the something. He loved Daniel so much, he didn't mind being undignified. Ran, and everybody was looking at him. You can imagine all the, the palace guards and everybody who was a servant. What is the king doing? Where is he going? What's going He's running. He doesn't run somebody go get him tell him he can't do that it looks bad in front of folks stop him do something I don't know what to do he's the king he might kill me and he runs all the way to the den and then he does something really strange that nobody has ever done before see when you throw people in a lion's den the night before you don't go and call out the next morning and ask if they're still there (laughs) that's never happened before they don't remain. They're dinner. He goes to the den with the guards around the den yelling 10, 15, 20 arms before him, Daniel! Daniel! Has your God saved you? And you know the guards are looking at him thinking, oh, the king done lost his mind. <laughs> oh. You know nobody doubting. Nobody go ask him what's he thinking? This is crazy. Ain't nobody ever done. What's wrong with him? I don't know, but he's king. He can do whatever he want to do. And lo and behold, he hears his call out. Long live the king. I'm fine. Oh, The guards were just, what is happening here? What happened? Well, oh, king, God sent an angel and he shut the mouths of the lions and I'd like to introduce you to Leo. He's my new pet. (laughs) When you're persecuted for righteousness sake, God protects and guards. He protects and he guards. (laughs) And he's just setting the whole thing up for public impact. CNN, MSNBC, ABC, CBS, all of the press came to interview Daniel because everybody knew he got cast into the lion's den but nobody thought they would ever get an opportunity to interview him afterwards, everybody how did it, what did it, please give me a first interview I got to hear this story, and not only that the king said first i'm making a decree now this sounds like a personal proclamation for his own life but it's not it's a decree to everybody in the land he says everybody who is under my realm in my kingdom know this the daniel's god is the living god he endures forever his kingdom will never be destroyed and he was contrasting that with his kingdom, meaning his own. He knows it's coming to an end. And someday he's going to be destroyed. It's going to end. He says this kingdom constantly expands and it will never be destroyed. And everyone, I say everyone, in the realm of my rulership, now must worship the God of Daniel. One man's excellent spirit. One man's exemplary service. One man's uncompromising soul changed the entire world. Now I imagine when the, everybody got that edict, they were thinking, well, who is Daniel's God? Because the, the kingdom was huge. It spread from the Mediterranean Sea all the way to the, the Gulf of, of Oman. It was huge. So some folk had never heard, but it was an edict from the king. So what you going to do? He said, worship. If I don't worship, I die. See what's beautiful? Even though judgment was given to Judah because they disobeyed and Nebuchadnezzar came to destroy the city and take them captive. Anytime God does something, he's always doing something else anytime so what was he doing in taking all of these jewish people to babylon he was not just bringing them captive he was trying to expand his kingdom all the jewish people because they could not worship like they normally did at the temple with sacrifice they now had to figure out a new way to do it and so they established all these little teaching centers which then became contextualized back in israel later in the new testament we called synagogues and so these synagogues started in babylon where people could come and now hear the word being taught by somebody so what became the natural place to gravitate to when the king gave the edict for all babylonians to now worship the god of of of, of daniel they say well we're we're one of those simma simma okay that teaching center where that place and they go in there and said okay teach us who he is because we got to worship Had not those synagogues been there, had not the people of Israel been taken captive in total, then they would not have had any way to be educated about who the God of Daniel is. God has placed you in your spot for a specific reason so that you might be a Daniel because there are teaching centers all over the area one called Grace Covenant one called McLean Bible one called Heritage teaching centers all over whereby you can be a great witness of who Jesus Christ is people will say I got to know who he is who is your God I got to figure that out come with me to my teaching center when he's doing something he's always doing something else he gets as much juice out of a circumstance as he possibly can. He squeezes all the, the goodness out. Daniel, because he chose the highest road possible in personal conduct and care for his enemies, love for his enemies, he saw the covenant of God expand to places it had never been. How will your life? impact your employment your peers your supervisors your neighborhood can anybody look at your spirit and say exemplary do you come in with a frowning face every morning at 8 o'clock because you don't want to be there is your attitude just like everybody else's may God help you to see that you can change the world from where you are. You can change the world from where you are. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you.